happy Friday, happy Black Friday afternoon to everybody. Uh, hopefully, those of you in the United States and Canada had uh, only positive experiences with your families yesterday. Uh, welcome to uh, another MSP Cyber Roundtable. Today we have Mikey Pruitt from DNS Filter joining me and Matt. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to stay secure during the holiday uh, shopping season, whether it's you know you as a, an individual out there or, or your business or as a service provider, you know, prioritizing, you know, keeping all those wonderful people safe. Um, how are you guys doing today? Did you guys do anything fun yesterday or for the week? Uh, I mean, it felt like the weekend, and then I then I came, I crawled back into the office today. I don't know why I did that, but I, I did take a slow morning. <laughs> yeah, I was. My whole mission this week was to find cheap components for upgrading my home lab, <laughs> but I kept getting pulled away from like the open AI open AI news. Like, who's the CEO now? Oh my gosh! So, so wait, what, uh, and then Thanksgiving happened. <laughs> what's in your lab? Like, is it, there's a rack? Is it like warming your office? <laughs> well, well, I have like a little network rack and I have like a, like a node three or four fractal case with like 18 ish terabytes. And it's what like running, case? forgive my ignorance. It's just, it's just a random, you know, case that can hold six hard drives. Okay. Why and do they call it a fractal case? That's just the brand name. Oh, but, it's the brand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The brand name. It's a very popular, like, uh, home or true nas case and i'm running true nas core so i've got like this whole plan to like upgrade to true nas scale and then include a new proxmox cluster like i've got plans for the holidays and my whole mission was to look for cheap components to order for like you know black friday that's been going on for like a month and a half now <laughs> and then i kept getting distracted by who's the ceo of open ai <laughs> well who is the ceo of open ai it, has, it has it changed since yesterday <laughs> 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 probably maybe satya nadella is now back, the CEO. right sam's coming back that, that's, that's the last i heard yeah yeah not bankman freed no, no 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 so sam, sam altman the yeah. real but, sam was he put in place by elon or he came in later mm, he came in later but i think he was in there with elon when elon was one of the uh financial backers so so elon like joined a bunch of people to, to start this ai lab they're like we're gonna do it right and like humans aren't gonna get killed by the robots right that that was the plan i'm pro and, that. and it was a good plan it was a good plan and then um and then elon like got distracted because you know elon um, and Microsoft was like, hey, look, you guys did some AI research. I think we can monetize this. So that's where, you know, Microsoft really shoved a bunch of money down that open AI hole. And uh, really, like, um, for the first time in the last, I don't know, 15 years, they were first in the market with a new platform, right? This uh, chat GPT thing, they basically owned a six to 12 month head start, which doesn't sound like very much, but... Um, when it comes to new technology buys you like all the press, right? Yeah. Um, well, and you also get to be the first people to get to. So when you're first, you're first and you get the press, but you also get the first round of revisions. Your first drafts already done. So yeah. you get to go right to turning that, that D to a C and that's important. So, so anyway, <laughs> Sam's at the helm over there, Sam Altman. And he's a he's a character. He's a real Silicon Valley character. Okay, he's got yeah. a, let's say he's got a strong personality. Um, and the board got upset and threw him out the door. And Microsoft was like, "Wait, this is the guy that built our whole like like technology backend." And Microsoft was like, "I I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I I would guess that they threatened billion billions of dollars in funding." like yeah 10 billion like, i believe <laughs> yeah they they were like well we'll just take sam over here if you don't want him over there but he's back now i think yeah. um, quite the saga but, like a little but, bit of politics going on there but, but it was all a little <laughs> mysterious because the board was like he wasn't honest right they were like i i don't remember candid i believe they said he, he wasn't, wasn't can candid. clearly candid or something he, yeah and What's the definition of candid, technically? I mean, I recognize. No yeah, and so like, maybe he's got like, maybe he's already taken over the world. I. Oh, yeah, and now, yeah, yeah, and now there's things that are saying like, oh, they did, they reached AGI or you know, like fully automated uh, actual AI. I'm like, oh, okay, here, here we go, and that's what he wasn't candid about. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, we don't know. 
we, rumors. We, who knows? We'll know when the robots start walking down our street. <laughs> anyway, we're getting distracted here. I uh, say, you, sorry, sorry. Worried, I say, intros, please, to Alexa. So. Intros, I and then we got to do a control, right? So um, thanks for joining us, Mikey. Tell us who you are. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, so, laughs> I'm the new CEO of uh, OpenAI. Nice to meet you guys. <laughs> Disclaimer, uh, Fort Mesa. <laughs> I stand by that statement. <laughs> Uh, my name is Mikey Pruitt. I am the MSP evangelist for DNS Filter. Uh, DNS Filter plays in the um, DNS filtering space, does what it says on the 10. We um, are, you know, I would say the strongest uh, threat intelligence product in the market right now. We're also increasing to include more secure web gateway functions like not just DNS layer security, but uh, IP level blocking and also URL blocking and some other things to come in the future of 2024. So yeah, thanks for having me. Glad you're thanks, here. Mikey. Zach, you want to do a quick one before we jump into controls? Sure. Uh, so my name is Zach Keeney. I've lived in 10 different states in 10 years. I've owned a restaurant franchise. Um, I grew up in the, in the Domino's pizza ecosystem. Um, I fancy myself as a, a people development specialist. And I'm currently uh, about halfway through a master's program in uh, computer science with an emphasis on cybersecurity and GRC. So I'm not quite the Matt CISSP, but I, I'm I'm barking at his heels, man. I'm coming. Yeah, we're and you know because you're you're neck deep over here in Fort Mesa, I'm sure you're you're kicking everyone's butt. Class is easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, what's happening right now because there's it's like kind of doing this where I'm like learning. I'm, I know I'm doing the business side and, and learning the application um, and, you know, things are falling into place in terms of knowledge on, on that side. But then there's like learning about bits on the wire and the basic, like, like the really, you know, this, this computer science, like the actual science of it. And it's kind of, I'll learn things over here and then I'll hear them in the other space and be like, Oh, I know about that. Oh, I know about that. And that's been really interesting. Um, and it's made, I think both, sides my career and my education more exciting um and easier not that it's been easy but easier than it would have been but in any case that's me all right and before we jump into controls matt fish founder of fort mesa um, we help uh msps and other service providers uh roadmap cybersecurity plans for their customers and deliver cybersecurity services with a bunch of bunch of tools i'll come back to that later but uh, i think right now it's Let's jump into that control. So we're in uh, email and web browser protections today. CIS controls version 8, domain 9, or control 9. And then inside control 9 are some sub-controls, um, 9.1 through 9.7. And like all the other CIS control domains, uh, these sub-controls are split up into three implementation groups. IG1 for small businesses using off-the-shelf software. IG2 for organizations that maybe have some dedicated IT um, uh, applications. Uh, maybe they have, if they're very small, some regulated data. Um, and then implementation group three for organizations that have um, either highly sensitive uh, or regulated data. Um, perhaps a uh, failure of security could impact human safety. Um, or if the organization just absolutely can't afford any type of cybersecurity loss, um, they should have all of the security in implementation group three. And here in email and web browser protections, there's only two sub-controls that CIS says are absolutely recommended for every single organization in the world, no matter um, what your security needs are. And so just real quick, 9.1, ensure, and, and, and by the way, Organizations don't always do a good job of these things, and they may not they may not realize how important it is. But it's very very important both of these things. So nine point one, ensure use of only fully supported browsers and email clients. Um, what that means is that the organization should decide what browsers are supported, what email clients are supported, and they should only allow people in their organization to use those browsers or email clients. So if you are at Office 365, you absolutely should be forcing all of your users to only use Microsoft Outlook of a certain version 
got to be updated, right? Um, or the web interface is provided by Microsoft. If you're over on the Google side, you should probably only be using Gmail. If there's any other type of mail clients that are required by your organization, it should be something that's made, like that decision should be made at an organizational level. People should put um, whatever support resources are in place to make sure that those things are patched, updated, secure, um, so that, you know, when, when people are operating their mail, which could be a way that, you know, if someone gets fished, it comes in through their email, right? By standardizing these these mail clients and making sure that they're protected, you're going to protect your users. So that's the mail. And then on the web browser side, um, maybe your organization uses more than one web browser. Maybe applications, there's web apps out on the internet that they um, only work with browser A or browser B, but your organization should decide what those browsers are and they should support them. And one of the things that they should absolutely be doing is making sure those browsers are patched and updated and making sure the users either have instructions or um, even better managed browser interactions so that we're not loading extensions that are not approved from a security perspective. The most dangerous thing you can do with a web browser is install random extensions out of the, um, the, the app stores for whether you're using Microsoft Edge, Firefox, Chrome, they've all got dangerous extensions. Um, a lot of these extensions just send all of your traffic out to servers on the internet. Other companies run, or, or not even companies, independent developers, right? Um, so, you know, having some enforcement there around what extensions are allowed in your organization can help secure those browsers and making sure they're up to date. So that's, that's 9.1. I have two questions and you're going to yeah. be annoyed or maybe you won't be annoyed, but so the first one is what is, what do you mean by fully supported? Right. Like, and the reason that I want to ask that question is because if something is quote unquote fully supported, it, it kind of begs the idea that something might be half supported or semi-supported. Yeah. So they, they stuck that right in the title. And if you go into the actual control text, you will see, um, it'll describe what I just described, but what they are saying is you don't get to just say, yeah, Firefox is okay. That's yeah. not enough. Okay. As an organization, you have to fully support that. So you have to make sure that when Firefox gets installed, it's from a known binary. You have to make sure there's some way that it's updated on everyone's machine and it stays up to date. And when there's a new version, it gets forcefully pushed out. And you have to make sure that that browser is um, configured in a way where people can't do insecure things like like install extensions that are dangerous. Um, so that's, that's fully supported. It's um, installed or maintained by the IT department. It's up to date and it's configured in a way that it's secure, right? Um, and that's whether it's... Google Chrome, Microsoft Edge, Firefox, or something else fully supported means IT has managed the thing in a safe way. Um, I, I'm i hammering that one over and over again, guys, because I know that most organizations don't do a good job of this, particularly IT geeks like me. They say, well, I, I'm using this secure browser or I'm using this browser because privacy, right? Like this, like this idea, because privacy, I'm going to like do my own thing over there, right? Um, but the reality is everyone being on the same browser, being configured the same way is actually how you're secure. Um, Logs go into the same place. I, I don't know if you've got any war stories on that one, but like 9.1 is most of like, this is the one I like to hammer over and over again. Because I think the others, 9.2 through 7, most of our most of the technologists out there are like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I see that's the, important. I will do 9.1 is up for interpretation and yeah, that's where we get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you like, say that which browser like you get a choice <laughs> yeah which browser what's fully supported how do you mean what do you mean ensure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 9.2 and, and mikey i i don't know if you want to introduce this one but it is absolutely recommended for every single organization out there Tell yeah 9.2 use dns filtering services let me say that again use dns <laughs> filtering services so what why do we want to do that like why is that useful yeah, so like every, all day long, all of your internet connected devices are calling out to the internet for resources, whether it be a video file like this, you know, maybe you're watching this on YouTube, LinkedIn, wherever, that is using the DNS system. And that's the things that you can see. But even, even uh, and otherwise, your devices are using DNS behind the scenes to do stuff as well. So when you put a layer of protection there, you're, you're, securing a, a large attack vector, a potentially large attack vector. And DNS being 
a very original protocol for the internet is like widely known. It's, I, I would argue that it's not well understood, but if you spend some time, you can learn it, learn its intricacies and manipulate it very successfully. And attackers have easily done that uh, throughout the years for sure. Yeah, I know that, um, and this isn't even a new thing. This has been this attack's been around for fifteen years. You can actually VPN through DNS, right? If if there's not tools in place to stop that, um, so you might think you have a great firewall there, but like you can shoot pretty much anything you want through DNS if it's not if if you haven't gone gone out of your way to stop it. Yeah, there's a website that's like I did it with DNS, and it's like all this weird stuff. You're like, well, how did you do that? And they're like, oh, well, the, the text record and a A record and a C name and a whatever SPI and all that stuff. So it can you can do a lot through DNS that people don't realize. And also, in the recent past, people have been like, like one of the things we combat at trying to sell DNS filtering services is like, oh, that's kind of a nice to have. And it's like, no, it's, it's more than, it's more than a nice to have. It is a must have. It's, it's a fully required, uh, uh, control for CIS, uh, version eight, you know, 9.2. So, and not only that, but insurance companies are now requiring it in their policies. So DNS yeah. filtering generically is no longer a nice to have. Yeah. And it, it's worth noting that the products, this is a mature space. There's some really great products for this these days. Um, and um, some of these products actually fulfill more than one security goal. So, um, you know, after 9.2, which is use DNS filtering services for every org, we have 9.3, which says maintain and enforce network-based URL filters. Now, this one is not recommended for every business in the org in in the world. Like, if you're if you're perhaps a car wash, you don't need to worry about this one. Um, but uh, for most organizations. Right, you are going to be you're going to fall into nine point uh, IG IG two or three. Most organizations are going to be in in IG two or three. So um, maintain and enforce network based URL filters is going to be something that's recommended in nine point three, and you can actually achieve that through DNS filtering using some of those DNS filtering products. Um, and there's a bunch of other things you can do with DNS filtering that fulfills security goals. So like putting that basic infrastructure in place allows you to do a lot of things or it makes a lot of things in security easier. Um, I'm going to fly through uh, the next one because I already hit it. Um, 9.4, restrict unnecessary or unauthorized browser and email client extensions. So 9.1 was use fully supported browsers, right? And just support them from an IT perspective, decide how they should be supported. Um, 9.4 goes out of its way and says, you should absolutely restrict unauthorized browser and email client extensions. There should be an approval process for this, like any other piece of software. Um, people shouldn't be able to just install random extensions. You know, I don't know how many times I've seen things like like Honey installed on machines because people are like, I want that discount code. Yeah. It like sends all your traffic to Honey. <laughs> it's, it's, I only turn it on when I'm on when I'm like going to buy something. <laughs> It's, uh, I never even considered that until you were describing, um, point one, that the, the value of having and creating an extension is just to get the information. It seems like they probably get, they probably get a lot of stuff they're not supposed to see constantly. Yeah. Like, think about like, uh, Grammarly, like a very useful service that helps yep. you speak better and, and type better. But it is getting every piece of everything you hit on your keyboard. I mean, it's a keylogger <laughs> yeah. for good, I guess. But, you know, that company is getting everything you type. I mean, the, the normal guidance here, right, is if, if, it's, if mm. it's free, you're probably the product, right? So I guess let's just keep that in mind. Unless, unless you're aware of what the business model is and that's not it, right? You should just assume that you are the product if it's free. Um, uh, 9.5, this one's particularly interesting to me this year because, um, you know, this cat, this domain has been around for a few years now. C CIS version eight is like about three years old, but 9.5 is implement DMARC and I'm calling it it. And I, some of you have heard this before. I think this is the year of DMARC. It's DMARC. Year. 24 or 23? <laughs> 23. 23 was DMARC year. And, and what I mean by that is we've tipped over like half of legitimate email volume is 
on um, email domains and email systems that support DMARC, right? And that's really important because when a, when a mail technology happens uh, to be implemented, right, you really need this like mass adoption. DMARC's been around a long time. I think it probably took nearly 10 years to get to the point where things crawled their way up to 5%, 10%, 20%. But this year it went, I believe, we started out the year um, and it was like only a quarter of companies had DMARC and now it's more than half. And what that means is if you, if you don't have DMARC at this point, you're in the sorry, the sorry, like half of, of people that are like not quite caught up to email security. Um, and it's going to impact your delivery rates, but also, um, I know insurers, I know cyber insurers that are just, there's not much you can scan for when you're trying to write a policy on someone but they can scan if you've got DMARC configured and they will deny your policy um, application if they see that these days. Um, okay, so, Matt, you gotta, you gotta do what the acronym is though. Okay, so. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm about to Google it. Ah, <laughs> Freaking but, Zach. Let's DMARC do this is domain, me domain message authentication reporting and conformance. And what it means is that it's enforcing that, uh, let me back up. There's some other technologies, some mail technologies called SPF and DKIM, and I'm not going to go into those acronyms. They've been around a long time, about 20 years or, or nearabouts. And they allow someone to say, this mail coming from me is definitely from me. But what DMARC says is it allows you to put a policy so that the receiver of the mail that you send knows 100% this mail came from this person who said, this is me. Oh. So someone can't spoof and pretend to be you. Right? It's like uh, it's like when I send a, a package full of love letters and you put the tracking on it. Yeah, and you're like, it's there. from Jeff Bezos. And someone receives that and they're like, oh, look, I got this love note from Jeff Bezos. Yeah, right. And But you can't do that when you have DMARC turned on for your company. So the way it works is the company that's sending the mail turns on DMARC and the company that's receiving it is able to validate that. And this is really important because you actually, if you're sent a package, you don't really know who it came from. And if you get a phone call, you don't really know where it came from. Like the caller ID is easy to fake. But with DMARC, if you receive an email message and someone's got DMARC turned on, you know it came from that company. So that's, that's really and important. And if you're, if you're not using DMARC, it is very, very easy to spoof an actual email address. I mean, there yeah. are some slight discrepancies that make it stand out, but it is not hard to have the exact email address and fool most people. Yeah. Um, or even me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would say almost everyone, you know, if, if you're, if your company hasn't turned DMARC on, it's really hard to distinguish a legitimate from a non-legitimate email address. Um, so, uh, anyway, I, we, we, we went into like, I'm, I'm harping on the necessity of DMARC, but I think that, um, uh, CIS controls are due an update. And I suspect that this one is going to be perhaps in implementation group one next time they do this. Or if I was writing these, that's what I would do. Um, 9.6 block unnecessary file types. So if there are files that shouldn't be emailed, um, those are blocked via email. But also if there are files that shouldn't be downloaded, those are blocked from being downloaded. That's what that's what 9.6 is about. So um, I think unnecessary is something that, you know, it, 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 it requires the organization to sit down and say what's necessary and what's not necessary, right? But I would argue that it's not necessary to send a like an exec, um, an executable binary to someone else, like it shouldn't be possible to just email, um, receive via email, this piece of code that if you click on, like takes over your machine. If you've built a secure email system, that shouldn't even be possible. Like you shouldn't be able to just click and like yeah. your machine's owned. That shouldn't kind be of possible. the same thing as the extensions. Like only whatever you need is what you can do. Okay, here's PDF and JPEG. Nothing else. Nothing else because we can we can solve for PDF and JPEG. Yeah, yeah I wanted to <clears throat> I wanted to bring up the uh, like DNS filters moving into file type blocking, which will be really nice, kind of fulfilling our uh, secure web gateway mission. But I wanted to mention the new TLD from Google. It's like I don't know a couple months old. Zip. 
is an is actually a TLD now. So you could put like in a phishing email, like, oh, here's my zip file, like whatever dot zip, which is actually a website. So we actually encourage everybody to just block the entire TLD with DNS filter. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Google puts something important there. <laughs> until they do, I would block it. <laughs> but yeah, wow. until they do. Um, and then 9.7. And I just want to call out, this one is part of implementation group three. So what they are saying is, you know what? If if you're most organizations, you, you should be doing 9.1 through 9.6. But 9.7 is, um, you know, it's, it's less value or less risk reduced for the amount of cost, right? So this one's expensive, basically, is what I'm saying. And so you probably only want to deploy it if two things. A, you need a really highly secure information architecture, but also you've already done 9.1 through 9.6. If you are like coming up with some rationalization on why you're skipping to 9.7, don't go back and do one through six first. Deploy and maintain email server anti-malware protections. Um, whether you are Google or Microsoft or any other mail host, um, there's options for turning on more security. And then there's a bunch of um, security appliances and security um, SaaS companies that can go in front of your email and secure those things. Um, those things are all great, they're, but they're expensive, right? And all these other things we just talked about are um, high value, low cost, um, they reduce a lot of risk. So... Um, you know, don't go and buy all those really um, sophisticated anti-malware protections at the email server level unless you've done all those other simple things first. Um, that's it for uh, Control Domain 9. I, I'm ready to jump in and topic of the day. Um, I really so- enjoyed that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mikey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick you up on, on the, the spotlight here. Um, I think, like you, you've like you, you you've been around the block, right? You've seen some <laughs> things over the years. I've seen some of these things too, but uh, I know you worked up, um, you know, a story. So where do we want to start today? Well, I'd send you guys a. When I realized that this was happening on Black Friday, I was thinking, oh, it'd be really interesting to, um, or fun at least for us <laughs> to give some tips and tricks on how to stay safe while. Uh, shopping around on Black Friday. And, you know, Black Friday is a lot different than it was a decade ago. Like, no one's really going to the store, punching out people dangerous. to get the latest toy. <laughs> it's always been dangerous, still dangerous. Now the danger is just online. And the first thing I had mentioned to you guys is the story of the Target hack uh, from 2013. And I think that hack really kind of set things in motion where people started taking cybersecurity a bit more seriously because so many people were affected. It was so high profile and it was kind of like out of nowhere. Go ahead. Zach. I think, <laughs> I think before that people didn't think of and I'm going to cyber crime, obviously cyber crime is serious, but I think at that time people thought of it as cyber crime. I don't think they took it seriously, but when you have somebody able to get away with, I, I don't want to, I'm guessing it made it into six. Well, they- uh-huh. Over a hundred million huge. customer credit card numbers. Yeah, over a hundred million. This can't was, even track we just, how much was taken. Should we talk about what actually happened? And of course. like from yeah. a technical perspective, and then Please. there was like dominoes that fell after this from a market perspective, right? You're saying right. a lot of things that I, I'm familiar with. Dominoes, <laughs> detail. Um so they did they get into um, the actual uh, processing systems out in the out in the retail branches, Mikey? You did the yeah. Get so back the, into the history books here. What yeah. Did you find? Well, and luckily this was 2013, so there's a lot of information. A lot of been a lot of information have been shed light upon by like uh, congressional hearings and things like that. Yeah. You know, lawsuits, all this stuff has kind of come out, so we can kind of look back and see in depth. And then uh, and I actually have it written down, so. I'm not going to read it, but I will kind of go through the timeline, which in my mind is like fascinating. So the breach began on November 27th, 2013, which was Black Friday. But before that, attackers got, they got into target systems from one of their um, like air conditioning contractors. It was a third party risk situation. Yeah. Yeah. So like they have somebody that comes in. Right. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah. Multi-factor auth was turned on for employees, but not vendors. 
So this air conditioning contractor who works on a target stores, AC units, um, got hacked. Um, and then the hackers, I don't know if they meant to attack them or just stumbled upon that they were a vendor of target. That part wasn't clear, but they used that as a relay point to get into target system. And then once they were in targets computer network, they eventually got a Trojan on the point of sale systems, like the cash registers where people are swiping their credit cards. So, oh. and they didn't do anything. They like laid in wait until Black Friday where millions of people were going through swiping credit cards. And every time they did, they just pulled the numbers off. You know, they got the little three digit code. They got the full name. They got everything they needed to start transactions. It's like, it's like ge a genius move by the attackers. <laughs> Yeah, and so they did detect it, right? Um, but it was like too kinda. late, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Let's see. So on, uh, yeah, November 30th, they had a software product called FireEye, which is very popular, very well-known, very powerful. They spent $1.6 million on FireEye, FireEye at least six months uh, before this happened. Now, FireEye sent off some alerts that said, hey, like something's weird here. Well, Target ignored those. That was on uh, November 30th. And then December 2nd, the attackers were uh, storing all that stolen data on Target's network. Then they moved it off on December 2nd. And that sent additional alerts from FireEye Fire saying, uh oh, you know, data exfiltration is happening. Somebody... Somebody do something. And FireEye actually does have like automatic re remediation steps, but those were not enabled. And then on December 12th, the U.S. Department of Justice called Target and was like, hey, guys, like you got FireEye called the Justice Department and then the Justice Department called Target. Like this is just insane that this even happened. Like so many things were missed. But yeah, again, this is 2013. Like we we like our industry barely existed at the at that time. Yeah, I mean, the science of security has been around a long time, right? But you're right, from, from an industry perspective, right? Like, um, that, that is that normal, everyday companies were investing in, in sophisticated cybersecurity, right? That was, that was sort of um, just the beginning, right? It would, pe people bought firewalls, right? They bought a firewall. Right. They didn't know how it worked. They stuck it. it would, the MSPs trotted it in on a cart sometimes, and they put a bow on it and said, doesn't this look shiny? And that was, right. that was security, right, back then. And, um, but if you're Target, that's not enough, right? So. Absolutely. Um, now, well, and everybody knew that after, after you get away with, with that much information and that much money. I mean, it's, it's now mainstream that that's like, I mean, in that moment, I mean, obviously now, obviously now, but in that moment, it's like, oh, you can really, you can do some damage. And it's yeah, so. So we, the good guys, recognized that this was possible, and the other bad guys recognized that this is profitable. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and that's also true that before that time period, right, if you went back even a few years before that, um, cyber crime, right, um, was not a business, right? Cyber criminals at that time, if you went a few years before this, um, were largely pranksters, Right. Right, like they phone were, break and you know things like that. They were like doing that. it for the lulls, right? As they would say, right? Um, not there wasn't a way to monetize this in mass, right? Um, and and but it's 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 a many billion dollar business now, right? And this this sort of proved it. Um, and I, I'm seeing here in your notes, and I now I remember this. The CEO, the CEO was got um, destroyed by this, right? This Target CEO was like, and he was like. POS machines, credit card hacking, what? Like, how is this my responsibility? <laughs> Don't we have insurance for that? But he's he's out, right? Yeah. Um, he's out like Sam Altman, but he didn't yeah. come back. <laughs> you can replace the target CEO. You can't replace yeah, you, you can't Altman replace the as leader easily. of OpenAI. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that came out of this. You know, one of the things that I remember is that um, you know, this this was around the time of the TJ Maxx hack too, right? And between that and this, um, kind of similar brands, a little bit. Similar, yeah. 
They're usually a beside bit. each other at the shopping center. <laughs> yeah, at the mall, right next to the right next to the California Pizza Kitchen. Yeah, is so, so that like your arch enemy, the the CPK? I didn't even think about it like that, but that's funny. Yeah. The, the thing is, this um, it really changed the whole credit card industry because they mailed out like a bazillion credit cards, right? And the credit card companies were like, "We are not doing that again. We are not." sending it's out a hundred million envelopes with new credit cards. So it used to be when your when your credit card was hacked, right? They would just send you a new credit card. And if your credit card number showed up in a credit card number dump, they would the banks would rotate the cards and they don't they largely don't do that anymore because they've got other ways of detecting breaches and they've got other ways of securing the cards. And and I'm not gonna say they never send new cards, but no one's after a breach, we no longer send out 10 million credit cards or 100 million credit cards. That doesn't happen anymore. Well, if you think about it from the, a business perspective, like if I'm the credit card company, I don't. I want to do everything in my power to not accidentally lose whatever the shipping, the postage, the 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 time of my my team like executing all that, the cost of the plastic. I mean, they're solving for how do I not have to do that again. It's, because it's that's even a bigger than that. It's even bigger than that. Because the one thing you have to remember here is, so this was 2013, right? Um, this was a few years into the CFPB when it was, uh, and now it's been dissolved again, right? But uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was like at peak power at this moment in history, right? And uh, they probably Failed had... <laughs> It probably had the power to steal the industry's self-regulation at that moment in time because there's a the banks work together to self-regulate and the you know the, <laughs> the federal government was looking at this saying I don't know if you guys are doing such a good job right and that it, it was a close thing right and I think that um, it it could have gone another direction but we still have self-regulation in that industry. Um, but had they not done something here, had they not changed their model, you know, in PCI, which is the, um, the standard for data protection and payment cards, um, that had been around a long time at this point, but it wasn't enough, right? They basically failed at their mission, right? Yeah. Plus you just self-attested to your verification. Yeah. So it's different now, right? Um, one of the things that's happened since then is, um, and this is particularly important in online shopping, is um, the processing industry has put incentives in in, in place to um, not to try to make it really difficult for retailers to screw up, right? <laughs> so the processing systems actually, I don't know if you guys have been in the self checkout lanes, right? They've got That's the, the only place I'm ever at. <laughs> so, Can yes, you imagine <laughs> me waiting in a line? For they've got, this, they've got the POS system, food? but then the credit card system's attached. It's like a separate computer. It's a secure computer, right? That's maintained by the actual processor, right? They don't even let the grocery store like handle the card data, right? It's a separate uh, computer. And if I was a grocery store, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to pay it either if I was the grocery store. Or an online retailer. I may have a store or two here and there. And yes, I do not want your credit card information. Yeah, and I don't, well, I don't, we use Stripe for that reason. I don't want the credit Right, card exactly. Card. When you have it, it just means you have to have that much more in terms of compensating security to be able to have it. And it's probably, that's the argument for why those types of companies that handle that exist and why they can afford to put extra computers in everything. Yeah, I, so this, this was a bit of a tipping point and I, I think in a lot of industries, people said, I don't want that data anymore after this, yep. right? They said, I, can we, we find someone else to have that data, you know? And that liability. More yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, that's Target. Should we go into some of these the scams that are actually around this year? Yeah, we should give some folks with the last 20 minutes, we should tell some people how they can stay secure other than just spooking them. <laughs> are, you, are you scared now? I'm, I'm, I'm freaked terrified. out, man. <laughs> I'm terrified. Yes. So, uh, you know, now Black Friday is really more about online shopping, you know, just my opinion, I guess. But I, I look at this, I've been to stores on Black Friday, even today, and there was like hardly anybody around trying to grab that toy or whatever. So Nobody wants to get run over. Yeah. Like a lot of that shopping has now moved online and, and that is the new war zone for stealing your data. <laughs> you know, no longer do they need to 
infiltrate the you know immense cybersecurity of the target corporation to get into the POS systems. Like they don't have to do that anymore. People can sit um, on some easy spots. We and I mentioned um, online online ads like malvertising. So this is basically when there's kind of like two versions. The advertisement itself could actually be malware um, using like Java JavaScript injection methods, or it could be linking you out to some type of phishing uh, site or you know phishing communication of some sort. So you really have to just be aware at all times on all platforms, no matter where you're shopping. So that that second one, I think, is familiar to most people that like they understand that they they could be clicking on a thing and they're not sure whether to trust that brand or not. They, they understand there's websites out there that are out to get them right. That first one, I think a lot of people aren't aware of the injecting a drive by attack into an ad and guys, it's pretty scary actually. And I, I think I, I don't often think the federal government should get involved, but I think the U S federal government needs to say something here, which is that the advertising industry that is Google, Facebook, Amazon, right? They're running these real-time auctions for ads. And so um, they're trying to figure out who, when you click on a page and it's loading, while the page is loading, they're taking your profile, what you're doing right now, and they're running a real-time auction. And then people are buying ad space on that page as the page is loading in a fraction of a second. And it's been decided as an industry that there's not enough time there to perform security on those ads to filter those ads in a way to make sure that they are safe. Um, oh yeah. And, and they're I, not doing something that it's not like they're aware of these attacks somebody's personal information or, I mean, you could do so many different nasty well, things. You, you could just own someone's whole computer. So the thing is, I mean, you could new, run the, you could auto there was run. One, there was one a few weeks ago. Do you guys remember this? It impacted like every web browser and every phone because there was a, what was it, WebP, something like that? There was a- Oh yeah, that's like the image file format. There was, an, there, was a, there was a file format issue where the actual browser, as it's loading this media file, could be, could be taken over. And it affected Apple devices and Google devices and web browsers and basically everything. Right? Yeah, and like what if you have your credit card and your password stored in that browser? Well, like now someone else has that. Yeah. Well, or like, your well, nudes, even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get also, to the facts. <laughs> also, you get full access to the system the way the browser has it, and you can get own the whole system. So, I mean, th this, this vulnerability was a big deal when it came out a few weeks ago. Right. Um, and vendors moved quickly to patch it. But the reality is that during that period of time, people were browsing around the Internet and attack code was coming in real time because Google was saying, I got Mikey Pruitt here. Does anyone want him? Right. Yeah. And any advertiser in the world could be like, I'll take Mikey Pruitt. Here's my here's my attack virus. Right. And there was basically nothing, Mikey, you could have done to stop that during that period because um no one has told Google and Facebook and Amazon they need to be responsible for sanitizing these ads. Well, I want to dive in here and be on my little political soapbox for just half a second. I'm going to be everybody's uncle at Thanksgiving, but on Black Friday. We don't do a good job in the United States in terms of advertising for anything. It is very, very beneficial to all of the businesses in the United States the advertising side, whether it be what you're describing or whether it just be customer data in general, or whether it be the medical industry, which isn't the topic of this conversation and I'm not going to get into, but we, we don't do a good job of that, I don't think. So so uh, I'll, I'll let you keep going on your list, Mikey, but I just uh, now that I've scared everyone about the drive-bys, um, <laughs> DNS filtering and ad blocking, guys, that's how you stop those drive-by attacks, okay? Yes. Absolutely. Um, you what, have to do those what's things. the best ad blocker? Are the, those are free sometimes, which means uh, we're the we're well, the. Uh, half the, of the ad blockers. I learned on this call. I'm the product if it's free. Half of the ad blockers out there are like sort of out for the users, right? Um, oh, like, okay, like good guys. Or, or some of them are good guys and some of them are bad guys. Um, I use uBlock Origin. I will say that it's not very uh, end user friendly, but if you're an engineer, um, it'll it'll feel good. Um, uh, Adblock Plus, um, while they do have an advertising model, um, I think they're not evil. Um, <laughs> do you guys have, Mike, you got a favorite? 
Well, I use the built-in um, Brave browser plugin, which is right now blocking 99 plus trackers, ads, and more from studio.restream.io. I don't yeah. even know how it's working. How well, 99 of one, no big deal. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's the Brave browser, which again, you know, of course we'll have to say also make sure Brave is updated and patched, et cetera. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, so you could do something about it, but, but then, you know, you can also filter these down at the DNS level, so. Absolutely, and, that, and, that, and these are kind of all categorized as phishing. Um, but that malvertising the version we the first one where the code is injected into the ad that is at the the um, control of the ad provider Google Facebook Amazon they need to be uh, checking these ads a little bit more with a little bit more scrutiny so that that doesn't happen well, and they, they might lose money they might lose money well, though. yeah well they will lose money I mean they <laughs> claim that they do some kind of security scanning on them but if it happens at all I mean then it's obvious that they're could do it. No, I, they, the research I've seen is that they're not doing anything. Yeah, their incentives are not aligned to stop them for sure. Yeah. What else we got here for for holiday holiday problems? All this holiday yeah. cheer, jeez. Holiday cheer. Yeah. So the the kind of the most common thing is like just trying to trick you a, a kind of a phishing email, phishing text message about some error order of your error of your order or like the shipping notice Yeah, like, your package couldn't be delivered i think i got like three of those this week you got a charge yeah. for you got a charge for twenty two hundred dollars on your card and for yeah i actually got a really i got a really good one from stripe i got a really good email from stripe the other day that was talking about somebody had logged into my one of my stripe accounts and i was like oh wait and i was like wait a minute let me go to stripe.com log in do it right and and stripe.com like they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like there was no notification, no anything. I was like, oh, that was a good one. So I sent it to our, we have like a suspicious at dnsfilter.com email where our, our uh, researchers dig in and see what domains we're used and all that stuff. We got a comment here. Um, what do you think about the government's paying hackers to not hack? Um, we actually, we actually do this already. The federal government already does this. Um, we call it aid. We call it aid, and in exchange for that aid, some other countries do participate in um, law enforcement activities with us. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't think you could pay criminals not to be criminals. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can pay a foreign government to like, you know, yeah, police, right? Yeah. I don't even. I don't want to say. I don't want to. I don't want to be <laughs> uncle government on the on the MSP cyber roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> another uh, another thing I've seen a lot of, or you know, heard a lot about, is uh, fake charities. So yeah. oh, a lot man. of times just, during the holiday season, brother. we're all feeling a little bit more generous. Um, if you want to give to you know George Costanza's Human Fund, be my guest, but verify that you are giving to a legitimate organization. Well, I think in this yeah. like um, in this age of uh, crowdfunding, right? People forget that um, there are charity, there are mission-oriented charities out there that work really hard to have their books audited, right, and prove that they're doing the right thing. And crowdfunding is maybe not the best way to take care of your community. <laughs> and legitimate charities are always oh, listed on some type of government site, so you can check their validity you could always plant a tree as well um what else we got the, the too good uh, to be true right yeah too good to be true usually is i think it's just as simple as that but you know the bad guys will use some uh tactics to kind of get you to forget because like it's yeah a, i got a free a, ipad mikey i got but, a deal for you i'm gonna send you five or if you send me five thousand dollars i'm gonna send you ten back Whoa, do I have to get it with like an Amazon gift card or what? Well, how, <laughs> however, yeah, just not, 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 uh, not credit card, but you have to put a time limit on that too, like in the next five minutes. So that way, I, I start being frantic. You're like, if I want to get yeah. this 5,000, I gotta act now and I stop thinking clearly. The gift card thing is real, right? Like, people will send you to the store and they'll say, like, oh, like, I need help with this. Can you go to the store and buy these gift cards for me and send the numbers, right? And they'll, they'll even send you money to do it with, right? 
Um, and then, and then you'll find out from your bank, like on Monday that they want that money back. <laughs> and you've already sent the gift cards, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's actually you good. Go ahead. Go, 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 go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the next one that I listed was, uh, gift cards, cash apps, PayPal, Zelle, Venmo, like be suspicious. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of these are intended to make you react and then not think clearly. Right. It's like. Yes. Making I mean, you freak out because of your checking account, make you freak out because of, you know, a package was stolen, make you freak out because of your stripe, and then make you make a mistake out of poor reaction. Yes. I actually, absolutely. I saw um, there was a recent incident where a lady had testified in front of Congress and she had been on the news a couple of times too. Well, she got a, a voice, a phishing voicemail vo- or phone call, a phishing. Oh, that's a really dumb word, I know. But anyway, she got vished, oh. and it was her daughter on the phone crying and weeping that she had been kidnapped. And then a male voice got onto the phone and said, "We have your daughter. We want a million dollars in ransom." And she could hear her real daughter's voice, her real daughter's cries and screams in the background. They had used AI and online video to mimic this this young lady's voice to trick her mom into thinking she had been kidnapped. And I, I, I was about to, to mention that. And it's not just audio, right? We've got real-time video, too. Doing the same well, thing. and if you're spoofing the phone, you can call from the, do- the, the, well, the daughter's cell phone number. Yeah. Daughter's so, cell phone. so last year, this was exp- – last year, this time, that type of attack was theoretical in our um, – it was, it was proven theory, right? We had seen people do these things. This year, it's been scaled industrially, both video and audio. Um, and it's, it's scaling out right now. And by this time next year, I think um, we're all going to know someone that was hit by one of these. So that doesn't mean that someone got scammed, right? But in the same way, we, we've we all said no to those car warranties over the last five years, right? Um, we're well, all I, have- I always get them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, who doesn't need a new car? What are you talking about, Matt? Are you telling me I got caught on another one of these? <laughs> We're, but we're we're all gonna get hit by these, um, and I I I I don't even know how we protect ourselves from this because frankly our our voice infrastructure, our phone infrastructure, it's not up. We need DMARC well, for cell phone numbers. Yeah. What's gonna happen is, I mean, it, there'll be a heavy overcorrection until we can. It's like what happened in the cyber uh, insurance industry, right? If if an attacker takes a heavy step forward, we as a society are gonna have the the displeasure of, of, uh, having to lose a little bit of space while we figure out how to safely get back to what our normal is. Um, and it's really a race against, against, uh, who has the, the, the best technology or the best strategies. I would agree with that. And keep in mind, Uh, these are recommendations, right? Say that again. You got some recommendations here? Yeah, absolutely. But first, I was just going to point out that I'm sure the audience here is like very technical. I know the three of us are pretty technical. So these may seem silly to you, but you're at home with your, you know, non-technical family probably right now. So use this as an opportunity to tell them to do the following. So Yeah. So yesterday I, I jumped on my wife's throat because she got a phone call. It was clearly like a bank. She she put it on speakers. She was, I was cooking. She was in the other room, and um, this was legitimately from her bank. And I was like, I was I I told her hang up the phone. I said, don't trust anything they are saying, right? Do not give them any pins off your card. Do not give them anything, right? Don't give them the last four years. Last, yeah. <laughs> Don't exactly. Anybody. Don't trust anybody. Number one, don't trust anybody. They don't trust you, anything. I said, did they call you? Hang up. That's what I said. <laughs> and, and that's, unfortunately, it's our job as as uh, security people to tell the people around us, right? Don't trust those inbound calls. <laughs> and then, anyway, I also, yeah, I also listed virtual credit card numbers. Like this is a pretty, a relatively new thing where you can have a new credit card number for each transaction. Some of the, some of the cards actually do it automatically. So if something were to happen with a hacked credit card, like first of all, it wouldn't work and you would know at which retailer 
that specific breach occurred at because it would be like you know it's target or whatever <laughs> it would say oh that you know someone attempted to get it from this number and you would know that that was used only at target now there's a lot of trade-off for security and convenience i'm sure um you guys matt and zach are familiar with that so that's part of the discussion here with your family members yeah, yeah and it, this was uh, unfortunately, this 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 technology never really took off. I, I think it's been around a long time. The virtual credit card numbers and my bank was doing it for a while, and they stopped doing it. I I think they had a hard time getting people to use them. But, yeah, uh, and if you can like tap your phone, always do that. Like even at gas stations, anywhere that tap is allowed, do that instead of swiping. Yeah, yeah. although they are going to hit you with those debit fees, right? Which it's worth uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a big thing in cyber where we say verify then trust and that's kind of kind of going back to the first thing where um, matt's wife got a phone call i got a stripe email but instead of interacting with that specific message we went to the source and found out you know if that was a legitimate request or not yeah always use a password manager multi-factor authentication this is like the easiest thing to do that people hate the most which is really aggravating for me um, even like my family, my mom yesterday. Oh yeah, you should. If you were to tell me how to stay safe online, because I was telling her I'm going to be on a podcast tomorrow talking about how to be safe online. She's like, Oh, <laughs> you should tell me how. I'm like, I've already told you, a password <laughs> manager and multi-factor authentication. She's like, well, Oh, that's that's so hard to do. The password managers, frankly, are like we're. I feel like the technology's still not there, uh, um, because. Um, People are still saying, oh, that's hard, right? Yeah. I've been using a pass password manager forever. And unfortunately, we have big high-profile attacks on these password managers, right? And people are saying, well, I thought LastPass got hacked. Can I trust it? And as a security guy, I'm like, yeah, using LastPass is still better than nothing, right? Like, still better, yeah. right? Still better. And then I have a use a VPN on the list, too, which I think is a great way to uh, – because – Privacy kind of equals security in a lot of cases. So if you can disguise yourself in some way, that only you know helps you from being served ads. It also kind of uh, retracts some of your information that people would be available for people to steal. And DNS Filter owns a company called um, Guardian. So if you go to what is it? Get uh, GuardianApp.com. It's very well built for home users, Mac, iOS, Windows is about out. But yeah, Guardian App, any VPN, definitely recommend. And it's, it's worth noting here that there's a lot of VPNs out there that are not safe, right? Like yep. there's a lot of not safe VPNs. Um, even the ones that cost money are not safe. So um, find a vendor that's reputable, right? Um... <laughs> oh yeah. And then I listed the biggest scam of all, Black Friday itself, yeah. created by <laughs> evil marketers like me to get your money. Spend time with your family. It's not about buying stuff. There you go. That's a good message. Well, let's uh, let's go around. Let's everybody do. Uh, you know, let's do a last thought, and then I'll break it down, and then you guys can all go hang out with your families. So uh, you know, I just the one that the thing you wrote on here, Mikey, is about you know as a security person or as a technologist to really communicate to those people around us. You know what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing because and i think we've all gotten tired of the conversation right but it's our responsibility right to be um to contribute so um i think we should all swear to do that this season uh, that's my takeaway yeah i would double down on that i've interviewed several people and one of their you know kind of soapbox moments is um you know, you as a technologist have a responsibility. It's like Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So it's, it's your obligation, even though it's annoying, you repeat yourself over and over again. No one ever downloads the password manager. Um, keep doing that. But, you know, and also just wanted to say thank you to you guys for having me. It's been a, it's been a great time and I appreciate it. We're glad you came, man. This was, uh, this, we got a lot of laughs on this one. It was a good, uh, good topic. Great educational, lots of good stuff. Um, my takeaway would be, um, go slow with everything. If, if you're not sure about something that you get, 
um, rushing through whatever it is is only going to lead you to making either the first mistake or whatever your initial mistake was worth worse. So take the time to, if you think something is wrong, slow down. Um, and that goes with whether or not you accidentally said something wrong in front of your family, or if you uh, accidentally clicked on the wrong link. <laughs> it's equally applicable in both situations. Anything right. else, guys? No, I'm ready to go back and eat some more dessert. Leftovers, here we come. <laughs> Pecan pie time. Uh, yes. Thanks, thanks everybody to dropping in. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, happy Black Friday. Next week, we're going to have Matthew Topper. Uh, he's going to be joining us from ConnectWise to talk about uh, the difference between securing your MSP versus securing the client itself. It's going to be a, a great conversation, and Matt's awesome. Um, if you haven't liked us on LinkedIn, make sure to do that. And we've got an educational YouTube library out there. So if you're interested in learning more, uh, there's some great stuff on there for your educational purposes. Happy Friday afternoon, everybody. Have a great weekend.